If you have money in a US bank account that you think is insured by the FDIC, you might just want to watch this video quite closely because there's been some pretty disturbing news out recently. We could say it was leaked in that, and if you want the short version because you don't want to watch the entire video, well, it transpires that your funds may not be covered after all. In fact, only around 1.3% of all insured funds now have liquidity behind them. So there's the short version. We'll now go into the uh, data, all of the information around this. I'm going to break down risk levels and exactly what it has happened to uh, cause this situation. We'll also look at a little bit of, of history around it to see how all of this started. So let's go to the shared screen then. So this all started then from this board meeting, the FDIC um, board of directors meeting where, uh, I mean, I don't know, did they forget that they were being recorded, but they said a lot of stuff that was pretty surprising that you wouldn't expect them to want the public to know. So this is basically what happened. The FDIC bankers discussed bail-ins to deal with impending market collapse. So this is their words. They're talking about an impending or a possible uh, market collapse. And what are they using? Well, they're going to be using bail-in rather than bail-out and their insurances in order to cover this next time around. And if you don't know about bail-ins, I'm not going to spend 20 minutes on this video explaining it all. If you go to my channel, and you go to the search bar, just type in here bail-in and I've made four or five videos on this. This is probably the first one to watch here. Can your bank now steal your money? Uh, this goes into in detail, this one as well, which is all around the Bank of England who have changed their policies. The Bank of England sending bail-in paperwork to the banks. And then this one, again, I realize we're talking about the US here, but the Bank of England also saying that they're not going to be providing bailout funding. And for even deeper knowledge, you can watch my Great Depression Diary series. Again, this is a playlist on my channel where I talk about what happened the last time, which was in the Great Depression. So that was 1929 to 1938 period and exactly what happened and why in 1933 they implemented the FDIC. So let's look at a couple of these videos then, which have been clipped here. So you can see exactly what was said. I think you've got to Think of the unintended consequences of taking a public that has more full faith and confidence in the banking system than maybe people in this room do. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit conflicted, right? I mean, it's important that people understand they can be bailed in, but you don't want a huge run on the institution. But they have, I mean, they're going to be. You can tell whether people understand how the who's going to be protected, who isn't going to be protected. It would be, I think, an interesting study to look at the evolution of market prices in a situation like March of 2020, for example, and see whether people understood what might happen. Okay, so what they're basically talking about there, I mean, this is how crazy it is that they just throw it out there like this, is that firstly in March of 2020, the banking system almost collapsed. And that wouldn't have just been in the USA, that would have been um, globally because of the US dollar, world reserve currency, etc., etc. Now, what also happened quite recently, it was only a few months back now, maybe two or three months back, was that the Bank of England also almost collapsed, which would have had a contagious effect 
on the rest of the world, the rest of the banking sector. Because you've got to bear in mind, all of the banks now are so interconnected globally that when one of them has a major issue, all of them will also have issues that are connected to it. So I made that video on the Bank of England and what actually happened there. The pension funds almost collapsed. There were margin calls. The usual players were <laughs> behind that black rock, etc. So because the pension funds are so highly leveraged and that they're trying to get such high returns now because of this inverted pyramid we have, we don't have a, a pyramid like this anymore. It's now inverted. So what does that mean? It means that you've got more retirees here collecting um, the, the money from the pensions than you have workers at the bottom. Whereas previously it was more workers and more retirees. That was how it was supposed to be done. So there's a lot of issues now. And I've, again, there's videos on the channel about pensions. Is your pension protected? Yes, right now, but potentially not in the future. And there's a lot of these warnings coming out now, not just from people like myself who have been talking about this for a good three or four years, but also leading professors of economics from Harvard University and Nobel Prize winners and all this sort of stuff. It, the message is getting across. These people are also starting to warn about it. And we've got a, a warning um, on this video as well. I'll bring that article up about this contagion that might happen. But you heard it right here from the horse's mouth. He said, people just don't understand what is going to happen. They just don't understand that bail-in will come and they won't know who is protected and, and who isn't. And also remember what I talked about in the series, the Great Depression Diary series of what they did the last time. And I actually think they're going to do the exact same thing again. I will make a video on the central bank digital currency and how I think this will come about. But it's going to be very similar. And what actually happened was, and you remember the bank manager telling his best friend, oh, no, nothing to worry about. We'll see you on Monday and you can get your money out. No need to join the, the long lines and all this sort of thing. And then what happened, all the banks of the entire nation closed for a brief bank holiday on the Monday. Yeah, well, we know what happened after that. The banks didn't reopen again. Everyone lost their money. So where did this whole bail-in thing come from then in the first place? And why now? Again, we'll get on to the, the, the numbers in a moment to prove that the FDIC will not cover you in a collapse situation. We'll come to that in a moment. Where did this come from? Well, it came from the International Monetary Fund, which I refer to as the International Mafia Fund because of what they do in developing nations, basically holding the people to ransom and keeping them in poverty, even though that might come as a surprise to many of you because they advertise the complete opposite, that they're there to help these countries get out of poverty. Well, they created this staff discussion note almost a decade ago now to the day, so April 24th, 2012, and it was called From Bail Out to Bail In. Mandatory, <laughs> we looked at this word yesterday, didn't we? Debt restructuring of systemic financial institutions. So it talks about in detail, here we go here, so what is a bail-in and why do we need bail-in? Well, I'll save you a good couple of hours of reading here. The reason they said we need bail-in is because we can't bail out again. There was too much public outcry. There was too many problems the last time. Uh, the governments probably won't be able to do it this time around because they're too leveraged themselves. And they are. If you look at governments now and you look at their debt to GDP level, it is 
unheard of in peacetime. I mean, we haven't seen debt to GDP since World War II and, and earlier. I mean, these, these levels are so extreme now. I've said a number of times, I'll say it again, I personally don't think the US debt can ever be repaid now. I think it's just too far gone, especially with a, an environment of rising interest rates with the, the, the debt trap that we're in. I just can't see it ever happening. They're just going to keep raising the debt ceiling until they get to a point where they can no longer actually pay the debt. And you'll see similar to things to what we saw in ancient Rome and other civilizations and historical examples where the government actually, or Caesar, or, or the Senate, they actually start taxing the people so high that eventually you get to levels of 90%. Uh, again, we saw that a while back in the USA as well, where one of the highest tax rates was 90%. A lot of Americans aren't even aware of this themselves. So this is what you will eventually see. You will see taxation at such a high level that it becomes a disincentive to people to even go to work. And again, I'm not saying we're going to see that tomorrow or next week, but eventually this is inevitable to happen. So let's look at bank runs then. How do these bail-in situations, how could it even occur in the first place? Well, it all begins with a bank run. And the last time we saw this was in the UK with Metro Bank. So what is it then? As more people withdraw their funds, so think of this as currency or your money in the bank, the probability of a default of that bank increases, prompting more people to withdraw their deposits. And notice they use the word deposits here. There's a reason for that. Remember, under bail-in law, that the money you put in the bank is no longer your money. It's classed as a deposit, aka to the bank on their balance sheet, as a loan from you to the bank. If you don't believe this stuff, check it out for yourself. Um, in extreme cases, the bank's reserves may not be sufficient to cover the withdrawals. A bank run occurs when large groups of depositors withdraw their money from banks simultaneously based on fears that the institution will become insolvent. With more people withdrawing money, banks will use up their cash reserves and ultimately end up defaulting. Bank runs have occurred throughout history, including during the Great Depression, which was actually the worst one, and the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Silent bank runs occur when funds are withdrawn via electronic transfer instead of in person. So there's two different kinds of bank runs here. There is the normal bank run and there's the silent. However, I don't think that either will happen in the same way the next time around because You've already seen all these emergency usage, emergency laws and policies that the government used under a, you know, pandemic or lockdowns or whatever you uh, want to call the last two or three years. So all these emergency measures came in, which the government and the banking sector as well, people aren't aware of that, actually used and put in place. They then gave back the emergency powers, but they kept all of these back doors so that they could use things in the future. So the next time we have uh, runs on the bank, what will happen is people will try and do the electronic transfers. And you've already noticed over the years that the amount that you can transfer is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. For some banks, they won't even, you know, it might be 10,000 a day or something like that that you can transfer. Well, let's say that you've got 
your life savings in there, your family's life savings, or, or you know, a pension that you've just liquidated, or you sold a house and you've got a hundred thousand in your bank account. Let's just use that you know example. I know many of you won't have that, but let's just say that some people do have that. In fact, some people will have millions in the bank actually. But if you've got a limit of ten thousand per day, how are you going to transfer that out? It will take you a long time. But what I think they're going to do next time is rather than say, oh, you can do an electronic transfer of 10,000, they're going to say, oh, due to technical difficulties, um, you can't do any transfers at the moment, or, oh, it's only 2,500 per day at the moment, and then, oh, we're taking a bank holiday, sorry, the, the system's down for an upgrade, something like that. And then when you go to the bank to actually withdraw cash, which is what a lot of people will do because they'll want that cash in the hands because what use is transferring digitally, electronically, money from one bank account to another, um, not much at all because if you have a systemic crisis that goes right through the all of the banking sector, it doesn't matter where you transfer the money to, it's gonna be a similar problem. I think when you go to the branch in person, they're gonna say, oh, sorry, you know, you can only limit so much and rather than having six to eight staff, they're going to say, oh, half the staff are sick and, you know, they're dealing with other stuff. Oh, there's only two tellers. And that's, I mean, what have we seen over the years, all of the branches? The tellers have disappeared. And what have you got instead? You've got machines where you interact with machines. So this is being very carefully positioned for this next crisis, where I just don't think people are going to be covered at all, which is why I make these videos. I want to warn you in advance to prepare for these things. This is very carefully calculated and planned. That is my belief of what is going on at the moment. And without going into all the history, because I'll leave this up here so you can actually um, do a search of this if you want to. So this was the Banking Act of 1933, the Glass-Steagall Act. And here it is here, I've highlighted it in, gr in green. Another important provision of the Act created the FDIC, which ensures bank deposits with a pool of money collected from banks. Well, it's not quite the same anymore because banks don't need to have liquidity like they used to. So what does it do? The FDIC insurance covers deposits accounts in banks, but not credit unions. And how much do they insure? Well, it's $250,000 per customer account. But even that's not quite accurate and they don't say this. But if you've got several accounts at the same bank and you have say 250 in each one, well you're not covered up to you know 500, 750, whatever you've got. You're only covered in, under that that one 250,000. And it's the same in other banks as well. If you live in the UK or Europe, if you actually look at it, and this is where it gets even more sneaky. So some of these banks you might think are completely separate. They're not. They're part of the same banking group. And therefore, if you've got, oh, I've got this much in this bank, this much in that bank, and you think you're spread out, you're not. You're not spread out. You're not protected because it all falls under the one insurance protection. But look at this. I found this online. While you might think your bank will never fail, it does happen, albeit on a rare occasion. There were four bank failures in 2020. And, and bear in mind, 2020 wasn't even severe. But in 2010, there were 157. So you think there are 157 bank failures. This isn't branch failures, by the way. This is bank failures in the US. How many do you think is going to happen in this crisis, which is way, way worse than what happened in 08? So this is the other thing I wanted to show you. The FDIC has to put this document out um, every once in a while. I think it's quarterly. So 
to save you uh, again hours of reading and trying to understand all of this here what i did for you was i went through and checked how much they have and i made a a note here and that is that they are currently covering and again you've got to bear in mind that the number changes quite a lot but just as of right now they're covering nine trillion dollars worth of people's money you know money in the banks etc but they only have 125 billion dollars of liquidity of assets to cover that nine trillion now you don't need to be a mathematics genius here to realize that the coverage ratio is almost zero in fact you're looking at about 1.3 percent that is liquid of of the assets so if there was a banking crisis tomorrow where you had a huge amount of banks that just collapsed or needed um, some sort of support well the fdic with 1.3 percent coverage is not even going to scratch the surface. I'm sorry to say that, ladies and gents, but they are not going to be able to cover a systemic crisis in the banking industry. And you might think that it's rare and that, that they're just, you know, there's nothing going on at the moment, but we just had this out from Harvard professor Ken Rogoff, a former chief economist at the IMF, points to rising interest rates around the world and economic uncertainty in the US as he issues a bleak warning for markets. So what does he say? He warns that the US government could default on its debt later this year, something which could cause chaos for other leading economies. Yeah, it's not just other economies, but it would affect affect the banking sector as well. Well, what else have we had just recently? And this is all in the last week or so. Citigroup misses profit estimates on provision hike, deal making slow down. So we're having, uh, look what they lost, 21% fall in quarterly profit. What about Goldman Sachs? Lost 1.2 billion in just nine months. <laughs> Goldman Sachs, unbelievable. Uh, Bank of America falls on 1.1 billion credit loss provision. Silvergate Bank slips to $1 billion loss. So this is going to happen. This is a very, very real risk. We're having issues. Uh, I've been talking about this for a long time, that, that we are going to see some major issues coming down the line. I can't give you an exact timeline of when this is going to happen, but just prepare for it. Don't be foolish. Do not leave all of your money just sat there in the bank, in one bank account, because when these bail-ins come, you're going to get hit hard with this. And just to finish off then, I want to keep this simple, so don't worry about the equations here. You don't need to know all of this. But you've basically got two models, the bailout model and the bail-in. So the bailout model is where the government bailed out, which was very, very unpopular during the 08 crisis because it basically just let all the banks off the hook, but it did mean that all the creditors were fully repaid. Well, that isn't going to happen this time. It will be a bail-in model where all uninsured debt, which means your money in the bank, will be converted to equity. Uh, and what do they mean by that? It means that as a creditor, you're going to receive val the value of new shares that are created. And you might say, Neil, what, what new shares? What do you mean by that? Well, what happens is when the bank fails, they will convert your money into shares and they'll say, well, in the future, hopefully everything, you know, comes back good again and you will own shares in the bank and you'll get dividends and you'll get this and that and you can sell those shares later on. They're basically giving you worthless shares. If you wanted to buy shares in the bank, you would have bought shares in the bank. This is what they're not telling you. 
Okay, well, I hope that helped today to sort of explain what's going on here. Remember, we do have a private community. The link is below in the description where I've made a lot of posts on this. I've, I, you know, There's a lot of information there. There's my financial spreadsheet with different types of allocations to be diversified so that you're not caught out by all of this. Uh, you can find that link below. It will take you to Patreon where the private community is. And I also put out a monthly macro video, very, very detailed, an hour uh, or more each month which talks about the economy and the financial markets and where things are going all right thanks so much for watching today take care god bless i'll see you soon